Welcome. Now that we are at the midpoint of this One Life journey, I hope you're excited about all that God is doing. I'm actually right here inside our new Compassion Center, which is going to be a catalyst for so much of what we're going to do to bless, love, and impact our region together. From here and from your local campuses will flow immense amounts of goodness and love in coming months. In fact, our team has put together a booklet, which is going to be passed out right now. You might be getting it as we speak, and it's going to guide us through the next series together. It's going to give you a glimpse into some of the areas we're focusing on during this season and into 2023. This booklet will give you a vision update on the One Life journey. It'll help you know how to pray for our mission as a church and show you areas that you can engage in as we strive to be faithful to God and do our part to transform our region together. So keep it with you. Bring it every week of the series. We're going to highlight several aspects of it in the next four weeks. Inside of it is also a commitment card. This is going to be a tool we're going to use together as we make commitments, as we respond to God. Don't worry, no one's going to pressure you or guilt trip you into making decisions. To us, this is just a journey of faith. We believe our generosity should be a cheerful response to what God is doing in us. So keep that card in a special place, maybe in your Bible or your journal. And as we mentioned before, some of you are going to use this card to make a brand new commitment. You're just jumping in the One Life journey. Others of you are just going to renew your second year of the commitment so you can finish strong. And then others, God's going to lead you to increase your initial commitment to generosity at Echo. If you're new with us at Echo, this series is also for you. I want you to know that we're going to unpack some of the things that we believe God is for. This is going to give you a glimpse into what we believe as a community of faith. And our hope is that it will inspire you to connect arms with us as we strive to do good together. You belong here too. See, very often people are known for what they are against. But did you know that Jesus spoke much more of the things that God is for than the things that he's against? And even the church sometimes is known for what we are against, but we want to change that. In fact, I want to let you know today that God is for you and he is for his church. The question though is, what really is the church? See, when you hear the word church, what comes to your mind? Some of us, we get like buildings and cathedrals. Maybe it's the Echo Church campuses that come to your mind. But in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has this interaction with his followers that really unpacked for us his heart behind what the church is all about. It goes like this in chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his followers, his disciples, who do people say that I am or the son of man is? Let me pause for a second. That term son of man, it simply implies that he was fully man and fully God. He's not one that just came like an angel. He's not just human. He was the combo of both of those factors. What's the word on the street about me is what he's saying. He's asking, what do regular people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they weren't sure, but they knew he was not an ordinary man. All these people that they mentioned, people say that he might be are all people that God sent to the earth to speak on behalf of him. So then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? I want you to keep that question in mind because it has a lot to do with the church. It has to do with what God wants for you as well. It's a question we all have to wrestle with. Who do we say 
Jesus is. And the answer to that question has huge implications for life. Now, Simon Peter answered the question. He said, you are the son of the living God. In other words, Peter in this instance confesses the divinity of Jesus. Jesus, you are the savior. Now in verse 17, Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. What you have just said, Peter, is the foundation of something great. It is a gift of God to you. That faith that you have, believing that I'm the son of God, that I came from God, the father has revealed that to you and it changes everything. In other words, he's also saying it's not earned. You didn't do it on your own effort. You are responding to what God has done in you. And then verse 18, Jesus says this powerful statement. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. He's giving us a promise here. He's saying, I will build my church. That's what he works on building. It's the thing that will outlast all other things. I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. This also implies that the church will have enemies that will try to destroy it. But death will never stop the church. No matter what opposition comes our way, nothing will be able to stop what Jesus is building. He also says that he's going to build it upon people like Peter that will confess this statement that says, I believe Jesus you are from God. You came from him to rescue humanity. I'll build my church. But the question now is, what really is the word church? See, the word church in the original Greek is ekklesia. It is a gathering or assembly of people who are called out. It's made out of two different words, ek and kaleo. Ek means out of, kaleo means to call or invite. In other words, it's a group of people assembled together for a specific purpose or cause. It's a congregation. It's when people congregate, come together, gather for a cause. Sometimes you can even refer to it as a huddle before the actual activity. Now compare that definition with the definition today. If you look it up on Webster's Dictionary, the church is defined as a building for public Christian worship. I want you to know that we reject that definition here at Echo. In fact, for years, we've taught each other and our kids that we don't go to church. We are the church. We, the people, are a community under the headship of Jesus. We unite our gifts and our resources to grow his body on earth. That's why we refer to our buildings at Echo as our campuses. See, over the years, the definition of the church has changed. It went from a movement to a location, from a gathering to a place of gathering. The church began to be referred as a building. And whoever controlled the building controlled the church. Whoever controlled the building also controlled the scriptures. And eventually, people would control people this way. And the government, even in some places, were controlled by those that controlled the building. In many cases, church became insider-focused, hierarchical, ritualistic, even immoral and pagan. And it was embarrassing with no reflection or resemblance to the original church and the meaning that Jesus gave us. But here's the encouragement. In every generation, there's been a remnant of people that said it's not about the building. See, God preserves his assembly of called out believers out of the institutionalized religious church to be an authentic, faith-based, community-driven, missional gathering of people who knew 
It's not about a building. It's about us gathering for a mission. There have been people in every generation who took the church back to its original meaning. It's not a religious institution, but a movement of love. There's no human mediator needed. You can go straight to God. It's not for special religious people, but for everybody. It's not a country club, a social movement. It's a people on a mission. I love the story of William Tyndale. He's one of these. He was an English scholar. He said it was time for the average person to have access to the Bible. See, in his time, only priests in that period of time could teach the Bible. And it's a way that they controlled the people. They had to come to their cathedrals, their buildings to learn. Well, Tyndale began to translate the original text back to English and wanted to make it available to everybody. He eventually got kicked out of his country, fled to Germany, was hung and burned to death for getting the word out to people and believing that the people were the church. See, the institution of the church began to lose its power because of Tyndale, because the people now had access to the word, began to read it and began to realize they were the church. Now, one of the things that drove religious people crazy about Tyndale is that when he got to the word ecclesia, he translated it again as congregation, a group of people, not a building, and he died for it. I love the example of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen was one of the early followers of Jesus, passionate, full of faith, full of the Spirit of God. He was in front of people that had the power to kill him, and he was trying to tell them what was happening with Jesus coming to earth. And then he says to them, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophets have said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that, asks the Lord? Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both the heavens and the earth? At that moment, when they heard Stephen say that, the people around them grabbed stones and killed him to death. They killed him because of his belief that God doesn't make, live in temples made by human hands. We are his temple. See, if the church is a place or a building, then we're spectators. God works around us. But if the church is a people gathered for a mission, then we're vessels. God works in and through us. It's a big difference. If the church is the church, the people, that means we are God's vessels. Write that down. See, it means that Jesus builds the church, but he builds it through us. You and I are accountable. We're responsible. It's one of the greatest privileges in life to represent God to the world. He builds his kingdom through us. It's not angels. He's not doing it alone. He's given us that task. It also means that the mission of the church it's our mission. It's your mission. So when Jesus said, go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey my commands, that commandment, that commission was for you and I. It wasn't for some people that work for some institution of the church. It was for all believers. So in fact, today at all of our campuses, we're celebrating baptisms and you're going to see people, ordinary people baptizing one another because this is what we do. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, it, Jesus said this, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the 
ends of the world. Now, if we are the church, that also means we are God's home. That's what he means when he says you're going to receive power and the spirit of God will be inside of you. So in Ephesians 2.20, he, Paul literally says this, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone of that house, it's Jesus. And we who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So he says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's so encouraging for us to remember, we get to carry God's presence. We don't need to go to a building to get God's presence. We get to have his power. And the power is given because we are commissioned to serve him and make him known. See, Monday through Friday, he's there with you. You don't have to go to a cathedral anymore, to a church campus. We gather because we're on a mission, but God's presence is inside of you. This is why Jesus started this conversation saying, who do you say that I am? Because when you and I answer that question and we say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God that came to rescue me and you died for my sins. We are now, we now belong to a body, the church, and that church is built upon those who acknowledge Jesus as Savior. That mandate to be filled and to go was not for a building or the staff of a religious institution. God's presence in us is not about being in four walls. His presence, His Spirit wants to fill our bodies so that you and I can have the power together to accomplish a mission on the earth. So he says, assemble together, spread a movement, go into, into all the world, gather, congregate around this mission. See, the church is a multi-ethnic, multicultural. It's no longer just for some men. It is for women, for young, for old, for slave, for free. It's defined and anchored in Jesus. People that have a hard time with big growing churches don't get this. See, the church is a movement of people that celebrates growth. God wants to expand his living space. And the way he does that is not just through facilities. It is through people acknowledging who he is. Surrendered people. Now, some of the most powerful churches in the world are in underground caves in China and in slums in Rio and by the river in the Amazon. They're in schools and community centers and sometimes in campuses like we are today. But when that is the case, it's inside of those buildings, there are people fully surrendered to a mission. See, the church that God is for is very unique. It's made up of imperfect and broken people. It's made up of surrendered people that say yes to whatever God asks. That church is passionate about a movement. It huddles for a mission. It assembles for a cause. It's not just for inspiration. In fact, we invite the world to come as they are. It is a community of people that practice hospitality. We're known for doing good, and it's the good that flows out of a life-giving relationship with God. We are chosen as the carriers of a message. We're God's vehicle of transformation in society. And we celebrate with joy the truth that Jesus is alive. That's why when we gather, it should never be boring. It should never be dead or about rules or separation or superficial gatherings. When we gather, it's every race, it's every language, it's young and old and men and women and poor and rich, and it's for a cause. And the promise of power is for you and I. You together are God's home. And you together are God's vessels. 
The mission of love, it's for us. It's our mission to spread God's love to the world. Everything we have is to that end, which means our resources, our talents, our careers, our ambitions, our opportunities, our strengths, all of them are to be leveraged for this mission of growing God's church. So I'm going to ask you this, jump in by faith, live in such a way that it requires God to show up, be active in the mission. It's worth every sacrifice, every effort. See, people don't find Jesus by accident, Echo Church. People don't experience love by accident. Those getting baptized today at our campuses did not stumble upon Jesus by accident. Churches don't grow and multiply by accidents and regions are not transformed by accidents. Those things happen when we respond to Jesus, all of us. Echo, this is our moment to respond. You see, the response is this. It's what Peter did. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You are sent from him, but now you live in me. I am the home of God. I am the vessel of God. I will serve you together with this body. I will expand your reign. I will give generously to the mission of the church. I will commit to this community of faith. My life will count. That's what this journey is all about. That's my prayer for you. But I want you to know it's not the end. In fact, did you know that Jesus gave us two more powerful images of what his church should be on the earth? We're not just his home. We're not just his vessels. We are his bride and his body. And for that, I asked your local pastors to come up and share from their hearts what this means to you at every one of our locations today. So when I ask you, would you join me in welcoming your local pastors to our stages? Give it up for all of them. See, these images that we get to lean into as a community open up thought processes for us to be able to understand more about what it meant for God to interact with us, his people. I get the privilege of leaning into these next two with you. The first one is that if we are the church, we are God's bride. See, I love this imagery because I love my bride. My wife, Carla, man, whew, she's amazing. She makes me have all these warm, fuzzy feelings all the time. She's beautiful. I think we got a picture of her somewhere. Oh, there she is. What's up, baby? How you doing? <laughs> See, but I am yearning for opportunities to connect with Carla. She's my favorite person on the planet, and every moment I get to spend with her, I crave. I'm always looking for opportunities to provide for her more, to be around her more, to spend that time with her because I know that when I get around her, it makes me a better person. This imagery of a bride is God's way of inviting us into an opportunity for intimacy with him. He so desires for us to, to open ourselves up, to be vulnerable and to lean into what he has for us. This imagery also lets us know that there's a level of commitment that comes with this. There's a level of sacrifice. There's trust. And there is definitely some expectations. See, he loves his bride. Even so much that before Jesus ever walked the earth, the prophet Isaiah had this beautiful picture of what was to come. 
He says, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. This is good news. He loves you. He desires you. He's committed to you. And he wants more intimacy with you. This comes at a cost though. Many of us know that the best marriages are one where there is mutual commitment from both parties coming together. He's fully committed to us. The question is, are we fully committed to him? That is why we firmly believe as a people called to be his church, his bride, he also asks us to commit to him. It's why we honor the tithe the first 10% of our income going back to the church, his bride, to provide for her, to care for her, to help her flourish. Because when we do that, something changes in our midst. Now, I also want to address that I understand that for some of you, this imagery is really hard. Maybe for you, you've been on the really bad side of a marriage or you've been abandoned, or lost, or broken. I'm well aware that 50% or more of the, div- of the marriages in our world end in a divorce. And so this can be a painful imagery, where one party becomes disillusioned and abandons the other. And in our scenario as the church, we're often the ones that fail God. But the beauty, the beauty that we get to experience is that no matter what we do, he wants more of us. No matter how much we mess up, he doesn't draft papers. He doesn't try to replace us with someone else. No, he says, I want more of you. I am so committed to you that I have given up my son. I've given up my body. I shed my blood so we could be in a right relationship with each other. He so desperately wants more of you. The question is, is do you want more of him? Now, the next imagery that we get to see is the image of the church, of us being the body of Christ. I love this imagery. You have so many different pieces and parts that come together to create one organism that is able to move and change and create and make beautiful things happen. The reality is, is when one part of a body is off, it can cripple the entire thing. This is so true to me in my life. Recently, I was doing one of my favorite activities of water skiing, and I made a mistake thinking I was stronger than the boat. Newsflash! I was wrong. The boat has more power than I do when I'm laying in the water. And my back, as strong as I thought it was, went in two different directions. And for a few days, I lost the ability to walk. I had people from this community show up to my house, and they carried me when I couldn't walk. They helped take me from the car into my house, I saw medical attention, it didn't change anything, so they came back and they carried me and they brought me into my car, as you can see there, 
And I went and I found more help. We as the church are often called to be the strong parts of the body to help those who are weak. To help give them a place where they can find the help that they need. This imagery has made me more and more passionate about the vision and the mission of what we are called to as Echo Church. If it wasn't for the people in this community, I would still have the inability to walk or would never have gotten the help I needed. See, something changes when we as a community, when we give together. Something changes when we as a community use our talents and we serve together. Something changes when we as a community come and we understand more about who God is and we allow that to take root in our life. The things that change our people's lives. When we as the church embrace our identity and we act as one body of broken people coming together to help others in need, we change lives. In your neighborhood, in your workplace, and right in your own family. See, this has been going on for thousands of years. The greatest church planner who ever lived, his name was Paul. And he started a church in a town called Ephesus. And he really wanted them to understand this imagery. He said, if you can embrace what God has called you to be, And you can recognize that you all are different. But if you bring those differences together, God will do miraculous things in your midst. He said, if you guys become one body, if you you really embody this, something will change. And he left them with this thought. He said, when you do this, then we as the church, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they often sound like the truth. No. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. And what's beautiful is he will make his whole body fit together perfectly. We don't make it work. He does. He brought you here because he brought us together because we all need each other. But what happens is when we submit to that, when we sacrifice, when we give into that, and each part does its own special work, it helps all the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, this series is so much bigger than Echo. This is a call out to the global church that we as a body, a bride, a vessel, and a home of God, we need to be unified globally. But we're challenging our community because it has to start here at Echo. It has to start with North San Jose and online and in Sunnyvale and at Fremont. If we can do it, we can be the body parts that help the broken.
We can be the body parts that help the church walk again. And we can change the stereotype and the stigma that happens in our community and in our world. I wonder if you will join us. Could we be a community of people that lead the way for the global church? Can we imagine that our three campuses and our online community could be the thing that the church needs on a global scale? It only works if we take that first step. Are you in? Are you here for good? I know I am. But the question is, are you? Would you join me in standing for a moment? Today at all of our campuses, we get the joy of celebrating a beautiful imagery through baptism. We recognize that these people who have made these decisions to follow Jesus, they've already been saved internally, They've already been guaranteed their salvation. But they know that something changed inside of them and they want the whole world to know that they are no longer their old self. They are a new creature united with Christ. And so that imagery of going underneath the water and coming out is their old life passing away and the new being alive in Christ. I wonder if today as we celebrate with them you need to take that step of baptism for some of you you've been putting it off and we want to let you know if you feel it in your spirit that we're ready for you and we would love to help you take that act of obedience and get into the water today but one of the other things that I hope that we could lean into is that this would be an imagery for all of us to grab onto today with what God is calling us to do in this next season. Whatever you've done in the past, whatever you've walked through, whatever commitments that you've let slide, allow that to fade away and step into a new moment as we lean into this next season alive and united in Christ as part of his body as his beloved bride, as a temple and the home for his spirit, and as a vessel in which he can flow through. Would you make that decision with us today and see what God can do in your life and in his church? Would you pray with me? Father, we are so excited about the movement that you are doing in our community. We believe that the more and more we open ourselves up to see you move, we will experience life transformation. We will watch individuals who have been lost be found. We will see families and marriages restored, right relationship and renewed vision for the future. And we trust that as we give more into your beautiful bride, we will experience that marriage bliss once again. So would you use this community? Would you allow us to experience your goodness? We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
there's so much joy in the house of the Lord today as we worship, as we celebrate obedience through baptism. So let's continue with worship today.
you again so much for joining us today. We hope that you found this helpful. And if you did, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to stay updated on the latest content that we have for you. Also, we are dependent on the financial contributions of others to support and sustain our ministry. So be sure to go to echo.church/give if you feel led to participate so that we can continue making an impact together. Thank you so much again, and we'll see you next time.